Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and of course, salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook called Calavia, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our Sales Leaders Talk Sales Millions of S's series, where we talk to sales leaders about growth and development. This is Rebecca Toomey. And today I am talking to Dave Salve. Dave is the North American business development team lead at Yieldify, a software company that makes it simple for e-commerce businesses to deliver customer journeys that convert. Dave, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. I'm glad to be here. This is really exciting because this conversation is going to be a little bit different than the ones that we've had in the past. We're actually flipping the script on sales leaders talk sales a little bit. And what we're actually going to be talking about is Dave's journey as a pretty minty salesperson. Yeah. Not, not too minty, but a little minty. And we're going to be talking about some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. And really the intention of this episode is to help our sales leaders out there to understand the other side, what's going on with salespeople, what they're going through, what it's like to come up through the ranks, and what managers can do to develop people and, and improve, yeah. right? So you're here to really just help out the sales folks that are out there that are trying to get by, right? And also the sales managers that want to be better at mm-hmm. what they're doing. So this is so cool. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm super glad to be here. I know that uh, your listener base is, you know, people, like you said, CEO, sales manager, sales executive, who probably have a lot more experience than I do. Uh, for the listeners, I've been in sales for about two years, uh, which has been the entire duration of my career thus far. And so hopefully I can give you a little bit of my perspective as someone who started out in sales in you know, this kind of new era, yeah. uh, have come up in a world of technology mm-hmm. and uh, aggressive goals, especially you know, yeah. with how strong just like sales has been um, in the marketplace over yeah. the last couple yeah. of years. Um, and so hopefully I can give you guys a little bit of perspective on you know, how us at the bottom, I guess, of the uh, <laughs> ladder kind of see things. Cool. I'm glad that air conditioner turned off because it was really cranking in here. Yeah, well, you know. It sounded like a jet was going off or something. <laughs> and uh, we, we spoke about this before uh, starting, but for someone from California, um, the constant air conditioning situation in New York City always has me uh, putting on a couple extra layers. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I also wanted to point out something that we were chatting about earlier, which Dave was at you were also a radio host in college. So this is going to be super fun. We're, we're do, double, <laughs> double, double radio casting here right now. Yeah, so um, <laughs> this isn't my first time behind the mic. Uh, I have to give a quick shout-out to You Can't Handle This, uh, WBU. Yeah, I uh, want to hear your intro again. What was your intro? That was great. The, the You Can't Handle This intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, we didn't really have a standard intro. It was about four guys around the table just okay, okay. Uh, Well, well doing, what would you doing, say? How would you start? I would just say, welcome to You Can't Handle This, WVBU. <laughs> nice, um, nice. Yeah, and then uh, there would be a lot of commotion after that. You know, that was uh, <laughs> back you have in to the pra- college days. So. Did you have to practice that very much? Um, I think it came naturally. <laughs> I've always been a somewhat expressive, I guess, uh, speaker so you know it's just kind of the first thing that came to mind was just uh lots of ups and downs i guess with the uh intro nice yeah well it's all good i i'm so glad to have another radio slash podcast uh or on the show yeah no super (laughs) excited and uh all right i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw you into the wind right now you ready yeah ready for it okay we're going to start with, with the first question. Yes. And it's going to be really hard. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that hard. I actually just want you to give us your 30-second commercial. Tell tell us a little bit about what you do yeah. and why it's important. Let's hear that sales pitch. Cool. So <laughs> I guess we'll start out with Yieldify. Um, we are a 
e-commerce marketing SaaS company, we essentially help companies come through the data, find places in their e-commerce experience where they can be securing incremental sales. Okay. And we use our own proprietary technology to actually adjust the user experience um, on the website across mobile, tablet, and desktop mm-hmm. um, using personalized messaging that either will progress people through their funnel until they check out or um, capture leads or okay. you know try to increase their average order value, stuff like that. Okay. Um, so we're live globally on over a thousand websites. We have five offices and we just opened up another one in Singapore. Um, so super exciting. We have a global presence. Um, and the cool thing is like we work with a lot of global brands, but we also work with, you know, a lot of mid-market brands as well. And so I've personally been able to get a lot of experience speaking with, you know, VP, VPs of e-commerce at, you know, international mega corporations and then also just like kind of like those mom and pop e-commerce shops mm-hmm. that um you know really are make up like the majority of the actual e-commerce companies out there which okay. has been really really interesting cool yeah cool and i guess like for me in terms of my um specific position as the north american biz dev lead um I'm not quite a manager, but I am the most experienced person on a three-person BDR team. So I help on the day-to-day of just like creating cadences, um, identifying great target markets to go after, kind of analyzing the processes that we use to create new opportunities to get passed to the sales team. Okay. And I do a lot of cold outreach. I do a lot of cold calling. um, Love it. And basically anything that we can do to create opportunities, like I said, we are a growing company kind of in that, still in that kind of startup phase, although we are global, Mm -hmm. you know, we are kind of in that startup phase. And so it's really exciting uh, to be able to come in every day and, you know, brainstorm and create new processes to help us thrive. Well, even though we've been on the internet for, you know, what is it, 30 years now, the companies like yours are still relatively new because the marketplace has shifted so much over the last five years and yeah. 10 years. I think one of the really exciting things about just e-commerce in general and especially the marketing tech space is that there's a new technology, a new you know strategy, um, a new benchmark every month. And so, um, at least for us especially, like we can kind of look back and it's not like a straight you know, straight line that we've been running on. It's like a very curved and winding path that we've mm-hmm. taken, okay. um, which is exciting. And it's also really challenging yeah. because you can't go back and say, hey, this really worked out well for us, you know, six months ago because the market's in a completely different mm-hmm. place. Um, so yeah. 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 We got to shift. I mean, think about some of the companies that have kind of disappeared over the years. I mean, I don't know if you, you remember Blockbuster. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, they had a, a little bit of an aversion to going going digital, and unfortunately, that ended up, you know, kind of sucking them in. So it's important when we're thinking about technologies and adapting that we're adapting yeah. with with our market. Well, I think the big thing that we see now, I mentioned earlier, those kind of like mid market mom and pop e commerce shops. I'm yeah. talking businesses that will sell one specific niche product. Um, their biggest challenge is like Amazon. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jet.com oh, yeah. and these big um, box, you know, retailers now who, in the digital age, have way more budget for creating exposure for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as they continue to grow and as digital marketing becomes more expensive, um, some of these smaller shops really have a hard time creating a really valuable user base, or mm-hmm. you know. Like the, the customer lifetime value is, is shrinking. And mm-hmm. so one of the ways that we actually come in is, you know, we really help these companies who don't get, you know, the millions of um, unique visitors a month. We actually help them kind of make most of, of what they have, um, okay. which is really it's, it's, it's great cost effective for them because, you know, they have a certain budget that they can spend on Google AdWords. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like as you are mentioning, like if you can't like adjust, if you can't kind of see, uh, at least take a guess into mm-hmm. the, the fog that is like the e-commerce and digital space, like um, you're definitely going to struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's part of the reason why it is so exciting to be in this space and, and cool. kind of be on the front lines in sales, like kind of pushing forward with, um, you know, essentially kind of have that lamp in the, in the, in the fog. And, yeah. And be able to kind of 
piece the way forward. You know what I mean? It is. It's really exciting to be. I, I agree with you. It is. It's very exciting to be in a place where you kind of almost don't even know what's going to come next, but you know, in a way it, uh, you do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You can, you can predict how things are trending and how things are going and then make the decision whether you're going to go down that path. It's funny now that I've been having so many conversations with people about inbound marketing, which is something that we've been practicing mm-hmm. here at CFS for four or five years now. And so to, ha- to talk to people that are n- just now integrating that philosophy into, you know, their, their process, it's kind of, it's interesting that, yeah. you know, now it's, it, we're fine. A lot of other people are kind of finally catching up to it and that whole thing, but yeah. And you know, inbound is really, really tough. I think that for us, the majority of our new business is secured via outbound mm-hmm. um, approaches. Mm-hmm. And especially as a startup and especially, I mean, let's take it back a step again. Like, you know, as a startup, as we kind of mentioned before, there's so many huge players in the space when you're like competing against, not not directly, but like competing in a space with companies like um, Oracle and, you know, like Salesforce, like big names like that, um, to kind of carve out your own niche and to secure yeah. inbound mm-hmm. um, that way is is really tough. And so um, a lot of what we focus on now is like nurturing the people that we speak with and creating really compelling messaging via our cold outbound that they actually, if they don't immediately engage and, and want to begin to explore opportunities with us, mm-hmm it will at least prime them in a way yeah. so that maybe a couple months down the road, they will convert from what was initially outbound into reaching directly out to us and being like, you know, Hey, we want to submit a demo nice. or we nice. want to have a consultation with you guys. Cool. And so I think that our big mission is really kind of, I think everyone goes through this process where you can start to transition from the majority of your new opportunities coming from outbound to mm-hmm building that space in the market where you've succeeded in creating these, you know, new contracts, you've succeeded in bringing in new partners who then begin to share their experiences via their own networks. Okay. And and that's where we are right now, where we are kind of uh, expanding in the U S especially as a company that's from, maybe I should have mentioned this. We were headquartered, founded in London okay. and have been extremely successful and have, um, um, very strong brand recognition in the UK okay. and then coming out to the U- to the US is a much larger market, much harder to penetrate. And especially when you don't have that kind of homegrown media coverage, Sure, you know yeah. what I mean? And so yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do now. I mean, okay. we're starting to develop our space, starting to carve out mm-hmm. what our service and, and results look like out here. And mm-hmm. now we're starting to see kind of like, um, the result of that coming through, through our inbounds, like you said, yeah. which is like the ultimate goal. I, I definitely. I don't know how many inbound leads that you get from your marketing team each week, but I give my sales team a lot of inbound marketing leads every week, hundreds wow. to, uh, just, just to throw that out there in case anybody needs help with inbound marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you, you mentioned something demos. Yes. Do you give demos? Do I specifically give you demos? You specifically. So, or no, someone no. else gives them. So I don't specifically give demos. All right. Um, well, I was going to say, if you give demos, what is your secret to no. giving the best demo ever? Well, I mean, to give Because people want to know that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can give you a little bit of perspective. I think that um, I have a really interesting career path at Yulify. I actually came onto the team as um, someone who did do demos. Okay. Actually, so yeah. the question I was going to ask you was, what has it been like at your journey through... Mm as a salesperson and yeah. kind of why you chose this route. So yeah, sure. take us through it all. Yeah, definitely. Where'd so, you start? Where are the, you know, through the ranks, all yeah, that. Yeah, I came in. So I, I, let's start from day one, right? Yeah. Day coming one. Out of, coming, Come out of, in. coming out of college. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to work at like a startup. Okay. Um, to kind of go back to like why sales. I think for me, like I'm extremely fascinated by the conditions in which a company can thrive and what, the di- like the difference between a company that succeeds and a company that you know flails or eventually doesn't you know turn into what the founders had hoped for, mm-hmm. and so I always wanted to be at a at a startup you know, company where I could kind of see 
the growth, see the machine in action from my desk. Um, I, I know a lot of people who work at a lot lot bigger sales organizations who only are familiar with the sales process and they don't really have their finger on marketing. They don't necessarily have finger on product development. Mm -hmm. And so what really attracted me to the startup life is where I can be on a sales team where I have a direct say in what's going on in marketing. I'm very involved Mm -hmm. in what's being created and crafted in, um, you know, development and can, you know, say, Hey, we've seen this in the marketplace and have a direct line to the people who are actually making changes mm-hmm. to our product and service, which was really cool. So I ended up starting out at this place called Signpost, which is a CRM for small business owners. Okay. Essentially, it automatically collects um, contact information like emails and phone numbers. Okay. And what it would do is it would send out automated messages to collect reviews for the small business owners. Okay, okay. And you know, I always wondered what they did. Yeah. I know the name because they're here Sign in New York. Signpost, yeah. But so they're I in New York. No, I didn't know that that's what they did. So that's cool. Yeah, I think they're kind of like one of those tech alley um, startups here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have an office in Denver. I'm not sure. They might have a third up. Denver and Austin, actually. Mm. And that was a really cool first step for me. Um, it kind of put me into... Um, you know, that sales mindset, it let me explore what sales really was. And it allowed me to see like, Hey, like I, I like sales and I like being on the front lines as I've kind of mentioned previously, but, um, I wanted to be at a place where I was selling to companies that I could like, you know, tell people about, you know, like, Hey, like you wouldn't believe who I I was able to speak with today. Um, and, and so for me, it was more about that, like consultative sale where it would take longer. It wouldn't be as, um, it wouldn't be as high volume, mm-hmm. but I, for me, having like lower volume with bigger impact was more um, exciting. Okay. And so then I left Signpost and found Yieldify. Um, at Signpost, I did like the entire um, sales cycle, and okay. but the sales cycle at I don't know if I should disclose, but it was short. Okay. Because it's a, sm- a, sm- a small business, you yeah. know, things move relatively, you know, quick, quickly, quickly, just okay. because you're typically speaking with the DM right off the bat. Okay. Um, and so I came to um, Yieldify. I was 23, and I went directly into a full sales cycle role at Yieldify. And that was when the office was really small. As we kind of expanded, um, what they wanted to do was instead of having everyone on the team be a sales manager, they asked that we kind of split the team up into a BDR team and a uh, sales team. Okay. So that um, just just essentially so that we could you know, be better aligned with each other and um, just have a more fluid machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of transitioned. Of course, me being me, I was like twenty three or you know, twenty four when I made the switch. Now twenty three. So I was it was I was I go for less than a year. I made the switch. Um, and I was still really young, so I felt like I still had a lot to learn. And I feel like sales, when you're kind of building your sales experience, it isn't like you, it's not like one big wave where you can just take everything all in at once. Sure, I think you definitely. really need to take things incremental, incrementally, where you ex, you master certain steps and one really does build up to the next, you know, and, and being a super young in my career, I thought it was best for me to kind of take that, you know, first step at a time. And... Um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, I was actually going to say last month in September, we talked all about learning culture Yeah, and it sounds to me like it's very, very important for you as you came up through the ranks that you went through that discovery phase and that learning phase. Well, you're still in it. You're still yeah, learning absolutely. every day. I'm sure you learn something new every single day. Yep. Now, did you have any mentors through this process? Cause I know that that is yeah. an extremely helpful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Piece. I think. You know, having a mentor is extremely important, and obviously, like that's such a <laughs> such an obvious thing to say. But I think that you know, when I came out of college and I went into what I do, when I went into sales, I thought like, okay, like I'm going to find a mentor who has 20 years of experience in sales, like okay. to be the number one of the company, the VP of sales, is going to mentor <laughs> me. Yeah. And I, what I've come to realize is, I find my mentors a lot closer to me than I expected. Okay. And what I mean by that is like people who are maybe like one or two steps ahead of my career who are still kind of going through some of the same problems that I see on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so important about this is 
you don't want your mentor to be someone who lectures you, who kind of tells you how to do things. Mm-hmm. You want the mentor to be someone who you actually problem solve with okay. and who you can kind of work together to overcome challenges. And I think for me, like part of the part of what we talked about, about like building like these building blocks is like having a mentor who isn't afraid to get you involved in their day-to-day challenges really gives you access to that kind of next level of experience and it really allows you to kind of build that base like you know I think that uh, I forget the expression but the expression is like you know a tree that's never tested by the wind is going to fall like I think that having a mentor who's just a little bit in front of you who's kind of bringing you new challenges and is constantly um encouraging to grow is going to make you kind of like that, that sturdy tree in, in a way. Like, sure, yeah. Um, and so that that's like for anyone like who's maybe um, thinking about how they can get their teams, um, how they can build relationships with their teams, you know, how they can create um, younger sales professionals um, who are really attached, I guess, to their organization. I think that if you can somehow create a structure that makes it really easy for people to pair up and for people to kind of cultivate these relationships, I think that's very important. Definitely. Um, Because everyone is looking for a mentor. I think that when you come in and you start any career, you want to have guidance from someone above you. And so I think that you should create a structure where it's easy for that to happen. Um, And I, and I definitely, as I mentioned, like I've had a lot of these mentors who have really just just been someone who I see myself in two or three years yeah and 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 not someone who I see myself in 20 years because if if my mentor is 20 years away from me I don't think that I don't really think that he's in touch with where I am you know what I mean as much as someone who who might have just gone through the same processes as me sure and that's not to say that I wouldn't love to at, at any moment have a conversation with someone who's 20 years my senior um I just think that on a day to day basis there's more value to be gained by someone who's only a couple steps ahead of you like yeah. I said so yeah. yeah cool we probably drive Ariana crazy in our office because she's she's pretty green when it comes to sales and Charles and I love to tell her about how things used to be in the old days so I hear you on that yeah. but I do want to speak to what you were saying about peer coaching and, and peer-to-peer or peer level coaching such an amazing and incredible thing to do and I definitely encourage our listeners if you're listening in and you're a sales manager this month is all about sales management, so this is definitely the first great tip to to throw into your sales playbook is instituting a peer-level coaching program where you're having people coach each other. And we like to, to work in groups of three triads, tends to have a nice ring to it. Um, they work very well, but when you have people checking in with each other and working together, everybody gets better. You know? and, yeah. Um, the manager can decide if they want to pair people together or allow people to choose their own partner, so to speak, but... Definitely having that mentorship between each other, not only does it help each one of you to be better, but it's building a better culture inside your environment too. I definitely agree. I think that especially in the modern sales organization where, at least in my field, like um, marketing technology, I think that um, you really kind of find your stride as a sales manager, you know, a sales executive after like a year of like, you know, ground level experience with a product. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, you know, obviously every single organization is trying to reduce turnover. And I yeah. think that when you can kind of create some sort of relationship amongst, you know, two, three people, um, they're going to be a lot more tied not only to, you know, the organization, but like the team to itself. Each other. Yeah. And so I think that's Support. a really great way to retain talent as well as grow talent. Um, Definitely. And, and and at the end of the day, if you can retain high quality talent for you know, longer, it's going to be good. So yeah, and it's going to save you money too because when you have that constant turnover, yeah. your salespeople rolling in and out of there, it costs you a lot of money. You have to train them, and they're not going to be as high performing as someone who's new. And Definitely. so it all kind of comes back, uh, you know, to that relationship. Yep, there's a lot of ramp up time there. And speaking of ramp on ramp up time, I don't want to throw your organization under the bus with the next question. Sure. But can you tell me a little bit about how you were onboarded and trained for your new job? Yeah. So obviously I had um, the experience in sales when I came in to Yieldify. Um, And so what I really valued about my ramp-up period, it wasn't like, hey, this is how you craft a compelling email. This isn't how you prospect. This isn't how you use Salesforce. <laughs> it was it was more about, hey, come sit next to our consultant. He's going to be doing an analysis today of XYZ.com. 
and we want you to see how he thinks um, because I think that a lot of what we do, especially in marketing tech, is there's so many different companies out there who can mm -hmm. say, hey, using our technology, you're going to see X amount of conversion rate uplift okay. or you're going to see a um, you know, 10 to 1 ROI. And I think that these days with you know the amount of companies out there that can say something like that because everyone can say like hey we <laughs> created four times conversion rate uplift mm -hmm. and you know like i'm sure that that company does do that but at the end of the day like what people really react to and respond to positively now is like you being able to actually understand their challenges mm -hmm. and actually understand their website and say like hey i've been on your website i've been looking at these specific elements and i really think that my company can help you do these like three steps to creates positive like result for you guys interesting so what you're saying is that people just want to be understood yeah i definitely <laughs> think so and, and so that's what i really yeah. valued about my um my training is that it, it wasn't so much about just like hey this is how you're a good salesperson it was more like yeah. this is how you can this is how you can actually relate to the people you're going to be speaking to and this okay. is how you can put yourselves in the shoes of the decision makers that you're going to be prospecting and eventually reaching out to them Problem solving. I love it. Um, are there any tools that you wish you had that you don't have? Or is there anything that you feel like it's holding you back from succeeding? Hmm. Maybe that could be in terms of your goals or company goals or anything like that. Um, I don't know if like specific tools, like, you know, in, in, in my specific role, we use things that help us, you know, find emails, for example, like okay. if we want to accurately reach out to someone in an organization, you know, we find them on LinkedIn and we, we want to have like a, you know, we want to have their proper email, right. And, and guessing is mm -hmm. really crappy. So, <laughs> um, but I think that in a way, like tools are kind of just like almost like an accessory, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, there's like kind of like what I mentioned, like there's things that like make your life a little bit easier. But yeah. I think that or like, resources. Yeah. Yeah. They're like resources. You know, or, or I guess, I guess more of the question is, is there anything that you wish you knew more about or you felt like you wish you yeah. understood better and, and you know, maybe there's a resource out, out there that could help out with that? Yeah, I mean, so I was going to kind of take it back and say that for us, I really think the big challenge that we face is not like a lack of tools necessarily. Okay. I think that it's, for us, it's like, as I kind of mentioned before, our path has really kind of been this like winding road. And so what that means is it's really hard to kind of look back in the past like eight, you know, 12 months mm -hmm. and really have some concrete actionable insights because so much has changed. It's, you know, it, we want to have the ability to look back and be like, okay, it's September. Um, it's September 10th. Like what has worked for us in the past? Like mm -hmm. how can we use our successes from the past to really drive growth in the future? Okay. And it's really hard for us to do that because oh. it's kind of like if you throw, if you throw a packet of red dye in the ocean, and you drive a mile away, <laughs> if you try to come back and find that, it's going to be completely dissipated. It's almost like Ooh. our data doesn't have as much, you know, concentration or, or focus as it, yeah. as we wish it could. You okay. Know what I, mean? I have an idea for you. Yes. And it is a tool. Sure. Are you guys using a digital sales playbook? How about that one? If uh, all of I'm not your sure. processes and all of your best practices lived in one place and you could watch the edits every time that your process evolves over time, hmm. wouldn't that be cool? That is really interesting. We'll talk about it later. Well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> now, what do you think that sales managers could do better? Let's see, sales managers. In your opinion, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you know what you know, but yeah. we would love to just help managers to be better. So, yeah. what would you like to see as a salesperson? What would sure. help support you? Sure, sure. I, th I wish that I had just a little bit more experience with different sales managers you know obviously yeah, i've only been yeah, in yeah. two different organizations sure but i think one thing that i've noticed and i think is really important is you have to trust i think you really have to put faith in the hiring process that you have okay and what i mean by that is i think that a lot of times people will come into an organization where you know you're hired for a reason you're brought on because someone in the process like saw something that they thought would be of value to mm -hmm. the business and I think that what you have to do is allow that person to play to their strengths. Whereas a lot of times, I mean, not Yieldify uh, specifically, but like, you know, you can come into a very rigid, um, I guess, a, a very rigid process mm -hmm. that, exp 
means that you are expected to, you know, hit certain KPIs or, you know, um, you know, what I'm trying to get at is that just like having the ability to flexibility more of, involvement of, in the process, I think is, is that what you're saying? Well, like, uh, you know, just having more of a communication between the manager and the salesperson to say, Hey, can we work together on my KPIs? So yeah, I mean, so what I'm really trying to say is like, just let that person, that, that person's there for a reason, let them play to their strengths. Okay. You don't necessarily have to micromanage them to the point of like, Hey, you okay. haven't sent out enough emails today. Okay. Cause maybe that person is really good at creating very personalized, like hyper personalized emails that are going to really pull a cord with the person that they're speaking with. Okay. Or perhaps like, Hey, like you didn't do enough cold calling today. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because that individual has spent a lot of time, um, you know, doing like some very, very in-depth prospecting Mm -hmm. into a market that potentially hasn't been tapped yet. And they think they have a new, a cool like proposition for people in that area. And so I think that when you get too caught up as a sales manager, you can really be tied to your number and feel like, Oh man, like, like if we hit these numbers, then we'll then I'll hit my number. Okay. I think that what what you can do is like, hey, like I have faith that these people are here for the right reasons, and I'm going to trust that they're going to work hard to hit the goals of the company. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what you can do as a sales manager, especially if you have a close relationship with you know someone who's hopefully your mentor, as as I kind of mentioned, maybe someone who's like two or three years above you. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully, what you can do is as opposed to keep someone on a rigid on a rigid schedule, you can kind of work with them more. You know, as like, hey, I'm going to bring my challenges to you, and let's work this through. Like, I know you're good sure. at this. How can sure. we how can we do that? So in a way, yeah. what you kind of mentioned, um, like having that sort of communication about how we can both find success, but I think that. Kind of, as I mentioned, just to wrap it all up is like, (laughs) yeah, just letting that person like they're there for a reason, like they're on the team for a reason, let them do what they think is going to be best because they know themselves and they know what they're good at. You took me back a little bit when I first started in sales. Oh man, you took me back to that KPI of visiting a certain number of offices per week. And the, the way that the math was done, we weren't required to visit a certain number, but our manager recommended that we would visit 50 offices a week. And I'm not talking about like pick up the phone and cold call people, mm-hmm. like physically go to the office, 50 offices in a week. And so when I first started, I knew how important it was for me to get in those offices and get those relationships going. And so I used to make it a challenge in the beginning to like go to many, as many as possible. One time I went to 22 offices in a day. That was mm-hmm. the most I had ever done. But then after, exercise. Oh God. Yeah. It was great exercise. And I did it all in stiletto high heels too. So yeah, <laughs> got a yeah. great calf workout. Yeah, selling like fitness equipment. Like. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, like, pretty much. <laughs> you can look like this. You can do this. Yeah. But you know, after time and over time, once you start to build those relationships, you start to learn how many offices you need to go to in order to meet your quotas. Sure. Right. And so it's, you don't have to go f- to 50 a week or 80 a week or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. You might only need to go to 15 sure. if they are your 15 best that are, you know, going to turn things turn things over for Definitely. you. So it's it's being, you know, sometimes it's not always about the number on paper. Yeah. I, I think is what you're saying, right? It's it's about the there's more to it than yeah. just the number. Exactly. And I think that like one thing that you kind of scrape the surface of it is kind of like a lot of what, you know, sales is so ups and downs, right? Like you you can get like at least for me like you go through these periods where obviously uh, maybe numbers haven't been hit in terms of new opportunities generated. And you're like, man, like I'm following my process. Like I need to stick to like, if I just do this, like I know that I'll hit it. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's kind of relieving in a way that you can kind of be like, okay, I know that these are my strengths. Like I've kind of created my personal process that for me usually creates this sort of outcome. So if I just stick to this, like I know that's going to come in. Like I know it's going to happen because I've, like this is just what works, mm-hmm. um, and which that kind of goes to my like next like maybe like maybe a spin off of that is like knowing when your process might be broken though. Sure, because yeah, I think that definitely. a really big you know challenge for a salesperson is you know once you kind of find that where you like think you strike struck gold right mm-hmm. you're like wow like I'm doing so good the last three weeks there's been a lot of engagement with what I'm saying and there's been a lot of new um, there's been a lot of new people. Will, you know, reaching it, like connecting with me to have meetings. And I think you always have to think back. It's like, okay, is it me? 
is am I the reason that this is working really well and should I continue to do this process sure, now as yeah. like my new standard yeah. or is it just like market conditions mm-hmm. you know or is it just people are buying right now you know mm-hmm. what I mean and mm-hmm. so I think that you have to be confident in your process but you also have to be you know cognizant of the fact that sometimes you know fluctuations aren't necessarily attributed directly to you sure. so if you're going through a hard time like it's not necessarily because your process is broken and if you're going through a great time it might not be because your process is is you know all of a sudden like you know performing way better like mm-hmm. i think you really have to kind of like have your groove but also be aware of when it might be time to adjust the groove as well sure and I, I don't know if that kind of makes sense but I, I get what you're saying the messaging can definitely get stale when mm-hmm. you're selling Something that I found worked really well when I was selling was rather than just having standard messages that were very generic about my company, mm-hmm. I did monthly themes. And sure. every single month I focused on a different feature or benefit or problem that the product or service solves sure. in the marketplace. And what that allowed me to do was not get tired of the same message over and over and over. Because you can only say the same thing to the same person so many times, yeah. obviously. But also... Even if you're constantly prospecting for new people, if you're using the same message over and over for years and years and years, you yourself are going to get tired of that messaging. So kind of having different messages, different ways of saying things, different areas of focuses, uh, I tend to find that that helps out a little bit with with salespeople and keeps keeps you fresh for both parties involved. I mean, like maybe maybe I could ask you a question. Yeah. Like obviously like (laughs) – you you've been in sales like for a really long time like yeah for five thousand years yeah so (laughs) aside from you know changing things to keep it fresh for yourself like when did you know was the time that you had to like change your messaging because it just wasn't working anymore that is a great question i think that for me when i was out in the world cold call selling the way that i was it was always about building a relationship with the person that was on the other side of the Mm -hmm. desk or sometimes they weren't on the other side of the desk. They were just standing there. You know, it was about the relationship. So it really was about understanding them as a person. Mm -hmm. And of course, every role within a company is going to have different needs. So that was the insurance industry. So the reps have different problems than the owner of the agency has, you know, their problems are, are different. So it's understanding what's important to every role within the office And then making it fun. That was the biggest takeaway for me is I could go in there and share some educational information to, you know, continue educating. But if I didn't make it fun and exciting, I'm not going to engage anyone. And someone is going to walk in the door right behind me doing the same exact thing that I'm doing. And it's not going to resonate. So it was about building that relationship and just being a real person, I think was the biggest, the biggest barrier to break down the wall. And then when it came to the message, for me, it was just. I got sick of hearing myself sure. and I felt like I was being too salesy and I wanted to add value. And yeah. that's when my team at that time sat down and we were like, you know what? Let's theme this and let's theme it by the seasons because it was a restoration company. Sure. So, you know, you have hurricane season and you have all these different things. And so it was just, you know, there was a number of factors that went into it, but now it's actually something that we practice here at CFS. We do monthly themes. As you know, this is the sales management month. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it just makes it, I, I don't know about you listeners. Hey, send me an email and let me know what you think about the themes. But I feel like it helps those that are listening to know what to expect. And also they know where to go when they're looking for help solving those problems. I know that air conditioner, <laughs> it is wild. And unfortunately I can't turn it off. I yeah. can't like turn it off to not ever come back. Hey, home. No <laughs> I hope that answers your question in yeah, some no, sort yeah. of capacity. But I think that you kind of mentioned something. Um, you were talking about just like keeping things fresh for yourself, and like this is kind of a term that I just made up. But like, <laughs> I, I, it's probably like it's probably come out of my mouth like once or twice. But it's not like an official okay Dave Salve term yet. But it's like like sales fatigue. Ah, you know, yeah. like getting tired of your own process and yes. just like not feeling excited to yes. go in and like do things. Yes. Um, it's like, and that's definitely something like for me, like if I start to feel like sales fatigue, like I can feel it in two ways, right? Okay. One is just like, man, like 
my messaging is not working. I do like a lot of you know cold outbound emails. It's like I try like and I'll feel like I'm I've found the process and I've like like man like one week things are really connecting and then the next week like it's not connecting anymore. Maybe you know like the people that I'm selling to are just tired of getting that sort of messaging. Sure. You know what I mean. Sure. So like. If, Survey your marketplace, man. Yeah. No. See, see what they think. Also, I want to ask you, do you talk to your delivery team, the people that are actually doing the work? Yeah. yeah. Oh, clients? yeah. So like, Because that was a, certain, a big one for me, was going to the people that were actually delivering the work and saying, teach me things. Teach me things. What do you guys do? Yeah. What do you do on the back end? How does it work? You know? And, and yeah. that is it can help you to really learn. The great thing about like my organization and, and our office is that we are really tight-knit team and we- That's awesome frequently are communicating like across the aisle and like one desk will talk to another and what it means is that you can really have your finger on what's going on in this we, it's like our services team because okay. um just like our team um our product as i mentioned in the beginning we have a proprietary product that actually is active on a, um, a client's website but then we also have a service team who is analyzing that company's website uh looking at their Google Analytics, their data, and so we're really kind of like a two-pronged organization, and so what that means is every single day you have account managers who are looking at websites, speaking to people, and understanding kind of like what our clients are, are, are thinking about and what okay. they're interested in, okay. and one thing that we've been doing better as an organization is, is being able to kind of look across and be like, hey, like, what are people, what are our clients like currently really interested in? Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? Because then we can kind of take what we see we can kind of take this micro like micro segment of you know of the market which is just current yieldified partners mm-hmm. and actually kind of you know i guess extrapolate what our clients are see as important and then take that and use it in our own messaging sure and, and, and focus on that specifically um which has been like great for us um especially as we kind of mentioned like putting yourself in the mind of like it's the marketing manager or the vp of e-commerce that you're working with um so, so yeah. Yeah, cool. I have a question for you. You just made me think of something sure. that I want to know. So the people you're reaching out to to work with yes. obviously are working on their e-commerce websites. Mm-hmm. Have you ever physically cold called on one of those people? Have I ever cold called? Like physically walked into an office and been like, <laughs> you guys have an e-commerce site. I would love to help you with this. Whatever. So, you know, so, whatever your pitch is. So... <laughs> I've done it only once. Only once. Only once. I was wondering. I mean, it is. It would be kind of funny since what you're offering is to help with e-commerce yeah. to be in person. But I'm just curious. I mean, I, heck, I know what trying to sell in New York is like, and yeah. it's pretty much almost impossible because of how locked down things are in the buildings. But yeah, it's possible. I think that. Um, I think that's really interesting. We've we've kind of played with it. We're like, hey, what if we just walk in and yeah. like, um, you know go to kind of, you know, areas of the city where there's just a lot of offices and, like, up-and-coming companies and kind of, like, people who we want to work with and we just kind of walk in and say, what's up? Um, <laughs> you played with that. Haven't, haven't we played have, on it yet. We've but. thought about it, but it, it's never been something that we actually have done. Um, and it's, it's kind of a funny story because there was actually – we were on one of the floors of our building um, for a conference, and we realized that there is a specific company – that we didn't know was on the floor above us who would have been a good fit for us and I walked in and I did just that. I was okay. like, hey, um, I did a little LinkedIn search. I walked by, I saw you know, their their offices with the, the vinyl sticker on the window. I was like, oh my God, Like, I gotta go downstairs and see if there's anyone in that office that I can talk to. And I went down and I found someone and I went up and talked to them and I was like, knocked on their door, like 20 people all at once just started looking at me. It's like a satellite office that yeah, yeah. in San Francisco. So I was like, okay, like I can find this person. I was like, hey, is so-and-so there? And then just like popping out from behind a computer, uh, just this confused man was looking at me. Um, and I was like, okay, this has got to be him. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, uh, I literally, I, I had never really done this before. I kind of like awkwardly, he's on the opposite side of the, of the <laughs> office. I just say, uh, hey, I'm just going to come over and shake your hand. I, I walked over like through the office. Like, hey, like my name's Dave. I actually work downstairs. I was just up here. I saw that you guys are in the building. I just want to say hi. This is what we do. X, Y, Z. We mm-hmm. work with these people in your space. Um, would love to get coffee sometime. Like, okay. if that's cool with you. Like, okay. It was like a Thursday afternoon. Yeah, like, yeah. just kind of slowing down. And he's like, yeah, here, take my email. And I was like, great. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> Did you have back. coffee? go back downstairs I'm just like super pumped like I'm like gosh I did it I got this email like we're gonna 
we're gonna get it. And then I, sh- I shot him an email. I specifically told him, I'm like, listen, man, hey, how about we get some coffee next week? I'll shoot you an email on Monday. Shot him an email on Monday, no response, never heard back from him. How many times did you email him? So it's rather recent, and I've only emailed him once. Uh, all right, all right. I'm going to introduce you to something. Do you know about the rule of seven? Have you heard of this yet? Is it similar to the rule of eight? No, I'm just kidding. It's probably something like seven touch points until you actually book a meeting or something like that. Pretty much. Pretty much. I'm going to challenge you. Seven, seven step this guy. Yeah. I, I want to see, I want to hear the success story that comes out of this. And also, maybe we can do like a, a rewind in, yeah. like in two months, I Let's can come it. back and how seven, seven steps have been accomplished. Definitely. Um, Rule of seven. I definitely want to challenge you to try this out a little bit more. This cold calling thing, because even if it doesn't turn into business necessarily, you are going to learn so much. I swear to you, it taught me so much we actually had Ariana do the same thing. We, we pushed her through the rule of seven. Yeah. She had to do seven touch points with people, reach out to yeah. people. She said it was the hardest. She'll even tell you that it was one of the hardest things that she's ever done. Yeah. But it was also one of the best learning experiences she ever had. I think you guys like really have something here. And <laughs> hey, that's old school. I did not come up with that. I wish no, I could take credit I, for it. I but. think that this could become like a certain like you know how they have like little sales books like sales booklets like yeah. I really think that if you like position this properly, you call it the Magnificent Seven <laughs> Rules of Sales. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, I think that you just push like that. And yeah. Soon enough, across sales organizations globally, just hey, hey, we're, we're sticking to the magnificent seven rule. I will even, I will even do you one better because mm. you are already in my building. Okay. You have gotten in. You're past the gatekeeper. Yeah. I am giving you permission right now, and Uh-oh. hopefully, my building never hears this podcast. To just cold call okay. oh, anyone in here. I thought I'm, I'm cold, like <laughs> cold, like person to person. No, no, I was going to say. I'm just knocking on doors. Yeah. I'm, hey, I could give you a list of the people in here. I have been into every single office yeah. twice in this building. Wow. Yeah, every single office. Do you Not think, selling. Do you just think to know? meet people. Do you think that, oh, okay. Do you think that they'll know that you sent me? Like, they will now. <laughs> no, no. They will. They will. Well, they know. But that is actually funny because that's one of the things that a lot of salespeople do in the city is they'll get in, you know, appointment with one client, and once they're in the building, they'll they'll try to like jump suites. Yeah. And some buildings are really strict, and they'll kick you out sure. after a while. So you got to kind of, you know, squeeze yeah. in there while you can. But I think but it's that, a good practice. You you know you don't necessarily have to go in this building. You could go outside on you know storefronts since you're working with small businesses too. I think that for me, I think something that's really important that I've kind of recognized about my time at Yieldify is that, um, you know, people know who you are, right? Like, especially like companies, like, I think that sometimes, you know, as salespeople, we kind of forget like the humanity of the DMs that we're trying to go after. And so I think that like, you know, if you are connecting with someone or you're sending them like seven emails, which I don't say like (laughs) seven emails is great. But what what I mean is like, don't, you know, three months later, send them another seven emails of the, oh, exact, yeah. of the exact same message. Like, oh, too I think many that, crazy, yeah. Yeah, I think that, like, a lot of times... People, people also identify workflow emails. They know when you're they're getting workflow and they Absolutely. know when it's coming from you. Totally. And, and I just think that kind of going back to sales fatigue, like, people, like, yeah. they know... If you sent them a message three months ago, they're not going to have, like, oh, my God, it's like this company I've never heard of. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're going to recognize you immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, you know, something for me is I, I try to walk this line between trying to create emails that are continuously building value and if like i see that someone's opening my emails and i I know that they're engaging with the content whether they're like downloading stuff you know i'll I'll include links in my emails to and if i see someone's click through the link you know i'm knowing they're engaged but if i see that there's just a lot of lack of engagement for me it's kind of like an indication it's like okay maybe timing's not right Mm -hmm. and even if i haven't really gotten to that seventh step you know i want to kind of preserve those touch points so that maybe in a couple months i can reach back out and still have some of that value that would have come in my last couple of emails yeah and i wouldn't have kind of like played my hand yet and so what that means is like if i see that there's really low engagement on email like four or five yeah. i can kind of like pull back pause the sequence and retain what i still have to say in email you know six seven eight okay and then re-engage them in a, in a little bit down the road okay. so that it, it's still you know for someone who you know, I really wanted to speak with, it's still going to look fresh when I come back to them in a couple yeah. months as opposed yeah. to maybe hitting them again with the same stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, so, so what I mean is that, you know, for example, this guy, 
this guy who I, I spoke with in my building, you know, yeah. obviously he knows who I am. Like, sure. I, I spoke with him in person and I tried to get to do coffee. I definitely should follow up with him. I agree. Um, but, hey, uh, I have an idea. Yeah. You could, you could do something really crazy and you could just pick up your phone and you could look at his card and you could dial the number. Just, just give him a call. Just call. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I, I think, I think so. I, I, I want to avoid the, uh, the awkward elevator ride though. Like, Hey, uh, <laughs> I've been reaching out to you every no day. Way. <laughs> no way. If I saw that guy in the elevator, I'd be like, hey, what's up? You want to grab that coffee? You know, just play yeah, it cool. Definitely. Okay, I totally agree. Play it cool. And also, it's also a great thing when you say, oh, man, I don't want to be annoying or anything. Or I hope I'm not you know, sure. being annoying or obnoxious. I used to use that. I say that a lot because, you know, you don't want to. I wasn't sure. trying to be annoying. Just, you know. So I've like, that's an interesting school of thought because I've read sales literature that, that suggests that you shouldn't say, hey, just don't want to be annoying here Yeah, because I wouldn't say it's it, implying that you kind of recognize that what you're doing could be yes. considered annoying. It's very – you have to be very tactful in the way that you say it and saying it through email is very difficult. Mm. But if you're in person, you know, I know that you're busy or I, I don't want to take up too much of your time is another way to say like I'm not trying to waste your time here or sure. be annoying or be a pest. Um, actually, I think the first blog article that I ever wrote for CFS was about being a pest, being a pesty mm. salesperson or something. I'll have to pull that up and see what that was all about. But, but yeah, I mean, and we're talking about salespeople now. So I want to ask you sure. for the salespeople that are listening in, what can salespeople do better? What could they be doing better or more of or less of? Hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, you gave a lot of great tips already because you were talking about the different types of emails and playing with messaging and things of that nature. But is there anything else that really stands out to you that that you've just kind of observed maybe from other salespeople that are doing things sure. that are driving you crazy? <laughs> huh. I think that's a really interesting question. Like anything more? I think that, you know, at least in my position, um, it really is just about like creating, creating value. Like, like we kind of mentioned, we don't want to be annoying, right? Like yeah. we want people to look at our emails and be like, Oh, this guy emailed me again. Like what he included in his last email was interesting. I want to read, like, I'll at least read it again. You know what I mean? Like, for example, like, I don't know about you, but there are like certain blogs that I just follow and okay. I get an email newsletter from them every single morning. Yes. And for me, I like the content of that blog. And so I'll read it every single morning. And mm-hmm. so I think that, us as salespeople, what we have to get closer to. And obviously we have that that marketing machine who's going to be sending out like company emails mm-hmm. and, you know, keeping people up to date with your specific organization. But I think as as salespeople, like we can really do, uh, do ourselves good by creating content that's not every single time like, hey, I'd love to schedule a meeting. But, yeah. but more like let's, let's demonstrate thought leadership. Like mm-hmm. let's show them that, we have a lot to bring to the table by just the quality of the content that we are curating for them mm-hmm. personally. Um, and so I think yeah, that I agree with you on that. Yeah. I definitely get a ton of those emails. That's like the first email is here's who I am and this is what we do. And then the second one is I sent you an email a couple of days ago that told you about what I do and I haven't heard from you. And it's like that continuous cycle of me, 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 me. And then the attention is not on solving the problems that I'm in you know, encountering or they don't really understand what those problems are. So sure. I, I like, I like that tip. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I want to talk about books. Yeah. What's your favorite sales or business books? Yeah. Besides the future and magnificent rule of seven. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the, uh, the sequel, the, uh, the sales no-nos, otherwise known as the hateful eight. <laughs> Um, but first of all, I think it's like a classic and I'm sure it's been mentioned a hundred single times on this, on this podcast. I think that, uh, Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people is one that you just have to just start out with. And I think that not even from a sales perspective, but also from, um, just to kind of like, like a professional, like standpoint as well. Like it's, it's valuable for any, um, any career path. Um, in terms of like, like really sales books, um, the challenger sale, Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's a good um, one too. Love and that. that's by Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson. I actually took a note of that. And <laughs> I think that that one for me has had the biggest impact on how I approach the sales process. Okay. And I think kind of like, as I mentioned before, I think that my organization, Yieldify, does a pretty good job of kind of um, 
utilizing the tips in that boat just because, as I mentioned, like we are kind of trying to take a consultative approach where I want to kind of tell people what is going to work for them as opposed to just kind of telling them what they want to hear. Okay. And so that's kind of like the gist of the book is like yeah. being able to kind of be the expert in your space and not craft a solution or a package that um, – that is essentially led by the request of your prospect, but actually you come into the prospect with something that you know is going to create the most success for them. Definitely. Um, and, and challenging them on things like, hey, I wanted to do this. Like, can we do that? And saying, well, actually, like what we've seen, if if you're trying to accomplish this goal, we've seen more success doing this. So, yeah, we could do that, but what if we take this angle instead? And really, like, being that expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think we kind of tie it back to, like, it's not as much about, like, hey, like, getting on the phone and saying, hey, my company creates four times conversion rate uplift. You can get on the phone with them and say, hey, like this is a problem that you have and like we recognize that and you wanted to do this, but we've seen a lot of success mm-hmm. by actually taking this direction instead. And that's mm-hmm. going to have a lot more, um, that's going to be a lot more engaging and a lot more powerful for them when you're demonstrating, not through numbers, but by actual expertise. Um, so yeah, that's big. Cool. Um, and, and then the last book, I, I, I said I was going to definitely, when I was thinking about you know books, I, I thought that I'd have to say this one because I've been reading it recently and I love it, is Anne Rand's The Fountainhead. Okay. Um, nice. And- that, that's a new one. Your other two book recommendations, by the way, were at, are actually on um, our 27 best sales books yeah. list. Well, I think that... I think <laughs> so that, that's awesome. I think that's kind of funny because I might have pull those books off your list itself. <laughs> I think that when I started, I was like, okay, what books do I need to read? <laughs> so those ones definitely had a big impact for me. Good. But like Fountainhead and Rand, I think that mm-hmm. like everyone knows the name, um, might be intimidated by the lengths of the books. I think that for me, like there are so many different tropes and there's so many different themes, but for me, it's just really like, like sticking to the essence of what you do and, and not trying to create like a fluff. You know what I mean? Like, I think that a lot of times people try to like, like, and then some people call it like overselling or like, just like kind of giving this like super lofty concept. But like, if you can really boil down like what you do and like the, the pure kind of like essence of how you're going to help, like it just mm-hmm. creates a much more powerful and much more substantial, um, um, concept of, of who you are and what sure. you do. And I think yeah. that like, once you kind of come to grips with who you are as a salesperson as well, and you can not only like hone in on the style and like hone in on where the value is being created in, in your organization, but also hone in on who you want to be as a salesperson, you can really kind of, um, push yourself further as well. And, yeah. and also like be a leader. Like, I think that what's really important is like, you can't look around in the environment around you and be like, Oh, this is how it's been done. I got, I have to do this mm-hmm. or like, Oh, that's what they're doing over there. And that's what's expected. Sure. Um, being able to be like, no, like this is what I am. This is what Yieldify is, this is what my company is. Like, this yeah. is where we're going to stand. We're not going to let the other market influence us. And, mm-hmm. and that's how you can really kind of become like, I don't know, like, become the unicorn or anything like that. But that's really how you can kind of create that niche for yourself and also stand out in the marketplace against the competition. Great wisdom there. Thank you. Very wise, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) And for our audience, if you are interested in checking out those books or links to the books, you can find them in our show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 91. And I will throw in the show notes the book recommendations, as well as that blog article to the 27 best books on sales. So then you can really be busy for the rest of the year. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. All right. Now, Dave, here at CFS, we talk a lot about sales playbooks, obviously. Yeah. Um, And we're always looking for useful tips that managers, CEO, salespeople, whoever can share in their playbooks with each other. Cool. What is one actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their sales playbook? Huh. I think... What's your winning play? What's the winning play? <laughs> um, Could be a best practice, a template. Maybe it's a process. Yeah, I think that, you know, this is something that, as I mentioned before, Yieldify is starting to do better. And I think that it's starting to become a really critical part about how we identify and create new business um, is, is just understanding why people work with you in the first place. Okay. And so I think every organization – Value um, prop. Yeah, I think every organization does some sort of like evaluation of their current, you know, partnerships or, or clients where they will kind of send out a survey and be like, hey, like, why do you work with us? Okay. But I think that like, for example, like our our account managers will kind of understand why client number one works with us for this, client number two works with us for this. But I think that a lot of times in an organization that kind of gets lost. Okay. And so like if the entire organization can actually understand why your clients are working with you, then 
everyone can be more. I, I guess it, it just creates more of a a clear vision of where you want to go. Definitely. And so I think that like the co- the compartmentalization compartmentalization <laughs> of information is like um, is one thing that really um, prevents like a unified um, progression of, of a business. And sure. so I think that like just just like making sure the reasons why people work with you is known by the entire organization is yeah, very important. Definitely. Because um, I think that, you know, for example, like if you're a, a tech heavy company like Yieldify, if you have a product manager who thinks that people work with us for reason one, mm-hmm. but they actually work for us for reason 1.2, and that's slightly off because there hasn't been enough communication amongst the teams. And, you know, the sales team thinks that somebody works with us for reason 0.8, you know, what that eventually means is there could be like a point four deviation from you know uh, sales to products, sure. and, and everyone's just misaligned. You know, you yeah. want everyone to be going the same degree. Um, so yeah, I yeah. think that's that's okay. what I'm trying to say. Just cool. like make sure everyone's on the same page. Like make sure the reason why people want to work with you is well known, so that everyone can have awesome. a vision that is aligned with you know the company. So, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. I really had a, a great time being here, and um, I'm really glad that you invited me to be on the show. Yeah, I'm going to check in with you and see what happens with your upstairs neighbor <laughs> sure. in the building and, and the rule of seven. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in today for today's show. Again, you can find the show notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod nine. Tune in next week. We're going to be continuing the conversation about sales management with a CFS roundtable on the topic. And of course, don't forget to tune in on Friday for inspiration. All month we're writing about sales management on the CFS blog. So check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Loving Let's Talk Sales? Dropping us, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't mind or wherever you're listening to shows, your ratings and reviews, help other people to find us. And it also helps us to see what's working and what's not working and we really, really appreciate it. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling, everyone!